All right, we are on lesson, what, 41, is that right? 41, and uh, it's on chapter 7 uh, in the book. It uh, begins at page 230, and we uh, we got through question 1 last week. We're on question 2 now on page 104. List the previous subjects covered up until now. Yeah. Give me one minute. Okay. Get out your pencils. <laughs> Question two is page 231. Yeah. Question three is 233. Question four is 235. Question five is 236. And question six is 237. All right. So now, now you can quickly <laughs> look in the book while we ask the questions. So, so the pre- list of the previous subjects. So, I kind of went through this and, and Rideout has a very good summary of that. And I decided basically to go with his summary rather than spend the next three classes summarizing the last year and a half that we've done or two years or whatever we've done. So in order to streamline our, our, uh, uh, <coughs> looking at what we've done for the last year and a half. So the first subject, um, what would, I can ask the question, but I'll, what was the first subject? That we we uh, went over. Anybody know that it was the Holy Spirit and dispensations was the first ones, and then we that was divided into three general uh, categories: before Christ, the present or Christian age, and the millennium. And uh, right out as this way, the spirit spirit's work prior to our Lord's first coming was necessar- necessarily one of preparation preparation for Christ. During the present age, while our Lord is exalted, his work is to make us realize the fullness there is in him. In the millennium, when our Lord will be manifested as king over all the earth, his word will be one of, of open and manifest blessing. Thus, the Spirit reflects the thoughts of God as to Christ in each of the age of the world's history. So, that was the first one. Then the second one we did was the Holy Spirit in salvation. So, um, basically, the Holy Spirit's involvement in, in salvation was, first, the conviction of sin. So, we saw uh was because of the world's rejection of Christ. So, uh, his first purpose is the conviction of sin. The next is, new birth was marked by faith in the Lord Jesus. And then the third was sealing. So uh, the sealing of the Holy Spirit was upon was upon that faith, was simply the record of God's appreciation of those who believe. Sealing is never connected with attainments or experiences, never made to depend upon the extent of our knowledge of truth. Where there is faith in the person, there God sets his seal of ownership upon the weakest and most ignorant believer. I think that was kind of interesting that... Uh, you don't have to be the super scholar or anything to get the seal. You don't have to be, you know, a somebody who knows the Bible inside and out. From the, from the humblest beginning of your your new birth, you are sealed, sealed with the Holy Spirit. So next one was assurance. What what are actually what is what was the assurance? I can ask some of the questions along the way. What was the assurance by the Holy Spirit? I got it here in the book. (laughs) Cheater. No, that's good. (laughs) He says, the service is simply bringing home to the soul the perfection of Christ's work and his love. 
Yes, thus in, thus in salvation the Spirit glorifies Christ. So yeah. the next one, the same is true in the sanctification of the believer. We find that the Spirit comes as a representative of our absent Lord. He takes up his abode in us, leads our hearts out to share the thoughts of God as to Christ, sets us apart as belonging to him, and enables us to walk as glorifying him. Here again, it is Christ whom the Spirit exalts. So, you know, the sanctification, too, I think, and I don't know, was it one of the the uh, Hungry Hearts just recently about, maybe it was yesterday's or something, about uh, trying to do our efforts in these and how futile it is when we try and do any of this on our own. It's futile, and it ends in frustration, ends in failure. It's allowing the Holy Spirit to convince us daily of our crucifixion with Christ. And so, yeah, the sanctification is his. And that's that's something I think it's hard. And I think most of uh, Christendom now doesn't agree with that. They, as we say many times, go to a Christian bookstore. How to, how to, what to do. And all these, you know, <laughs> all my, you know, the prayer of Jabez and, and uh, the, the, <laughs> the porpoise-driven life or uh, pur- pur- purpose-driven life, excuse me. All those different things that are, that are there to quote, help you steer you along in what you have to do. It's the Holy Spirit's work sanctifying us and setting us apart. And again, the word sanctification is being set apart. That's His work. And again, I think it was just yes, yesterday was the day before Hungry Heart basically put that out that it's not uh, our efforts and His. You know, a lot of times, uh, with the, uh, uh, new believer or, or people, it's, now, now I'm able, once I become a believer, now, now I have the power through the Holy Spirit to do all those great things. It's now my efforts and the Holy Spirit's. And it's not. It's the Holy Spirit's, uh, job to uh, set us apart and, and conform us using, using the word. And the only thing we have is by faith believing what, what the word says. So again, the sanctifying, I think that's a, a very, very important part of the, uh, the uh, uh, job or purpose of the Holy Spirit is to uh, sanctify us, put it, set us apart, and it's his work. And if there's any comments, interrupt me. I just wanted to, I thought it was better just to go through this rather than, again, spend four weeks going through the summary. Yeah. I, I, I still get the question. It's interesting that it's the work of the Spirit, but what's my involvement in it? And the answer, obviously, is, well, I'm just to believe. That's it. And what I find interesting is, is that if, if I come from a reform background and I've been given, uh, the law, is that what I'm supposed to believe? The law. Yeah. Am I supposed to believe that, that, um, I can't implement the law so I'll trust See, the law never says that the spirit is going to implement the law in you. Right. And we're not, we're not under the law. That's right. <laughs> That's and so I learned, it seems like a, a whole re-education process, process. I find it frustrating for a lot of believers because this learning how to live by faith is a very difficult thing, at least initially, that I can just go along today and trust him. For what I know. Yeah. 
Can I trust him for what I don't know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can. You know, really? Oh, go, go ahead, Miles. Go ahead. I've got a couple. Well, of I was gonna say, in, my, in my personal experience, when I first began hearing, you know, guys talking about, um, you, you know, walking by faith, and I, and I finally came to understand the fact that, okay, faith is in God's word, and I just kind of knew that in general, you know, we walk by faith in the word of God. So I, I did gravitate towards this idea that, well, I know what the rules are. I know what the laws are. So, you know, I trust those to be the authority for my life. And so, uh, you know, um, that's what walking by faith means is that I, you know, so I kind of had this beginning to get this idea of, of, uh, uh, you know, not, not being under law and yet still it was very kind of confusing. And when you, you know, you have to finally come to that point of recognizing that, um, it's, that you're, you, that this walking by faith in the spirit is not, not the enabling to, to keep the law. You know, it's not that you, just because we weren't able to keep the law before, now you got the Holy Spirit. Now you can keep the law by, by, by faith. We'll put, we'll back by faith on it or something. You know, and, uh, it takes a while to figure that out. JD, if you, want to, you want to get up by a mic? Not this mic, but hey, mic. <laughs> uh, um, so, a, a thought here is just the the difference between taking in information. We all have jobs. We all know the rules. We know where not to go and when to go there and do the things that we're told to abide within the rules of any kind of system. Um, but the difference here, I, I really think, is what, when Ronat talks about, he takes up his abode in us and leads our hearts to share the thoughts of God and Christ. So one of the things about keeping the law and the difference for that, us as believers is that Christ has put his spirit in us Amen. so that we can... He not only abides with us, but we abide with him. And keeping those things that we know of him are far different when there's a relationship going on than when we're just following the rules. We can follow rules. Yeah. I mean, we know how to do that, basically. But <clears throat> I also thought the interesting part of that was that he talks about sharing the thoughts of God. Um, we, uh, I've, I've shared this a lot of times. I've, I've said, you know, our, to the kids even, our life is about thinking God's thoughts after him. You don't do that by memorizing the scripture. Mm-hmm. You do that because the Holy Spirit teaches you the mind of Christ. And that is a totally and radically different thing. So yeah. when we're talking about sanctification and being set apart, you're set mm-hmm. apart because you're being, they're, they're, there's an abidance there, not an obedience alone, but an abidance. And I think that's different. Yeah. So, my thoughts, you know, one of the things, and this kind of falls into it, and why I think so many people don't, if you're not taught this, why they naturally gravitate to all these different things and how you do this, it is that the flesh is the one who just loves to make you do something. And if you don't know this co-crucifixion, the flesh is there immediately telling you to do stuff. 
And you are, you are so willing, unless you know that, you're, you're wanting to do something. That's why I think a lot of believers, just what I said, when, when you, now I can do those because I have the power of the Holy Spirit, I can do that, you know, he now allows me, and we can work together on this. Yeah. And it's because the flesh is, is the one going, I, you need to do something. You really need to do more than what, you know, it's not by grace. It, it's by our, you know, my effort and your effort, we're going to get this thing done. And so I think the flesh is the number one one trying to divert us from what the word says. You just said work together. Yeah. And why, how do you work? Yeah. What's your involvement in that? It's nothing. We don't. That's the whole. It, 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 well, you but it's not work. It's not work. It, it's not meritorious. It's not meritorious. I know. Mm-hmm. He hates that word. <laughs> Every time, there's just one of those words you only use it here. It's non-meritorious. Um, you don't do anything. Yeah, you don't do anything. <laughs> but but you know that's so that's so against what the flesh is. Totally opposite. And so it's screaming its head off, trying to get you to do something. And that's where I think so many believers get pulled off, and why the bookstores are so full of this. All these mm-hmm. self helps and how to work together to become, you know, Christ like. And, and, but, you know, when I was studying this, I, I, I gotta confess, it's sometimes it's really hard when we say this. What does it mean to just by faith walk with Him? I, you know, it, it, I, it, it's this polar, you know, I don't want to work or do anything. But does it mean I just sit here and contemplate in a room? <laughs> you know, what is, what is that effort of faith, not effort, but that, that faith process? How does that really work in a believer? I mean, I think it, it, it's not naturally, it's the Holy Spirit working in you to just have that peace believing what the word says. And it's it's just a weird thought. I just like, what does that mean to walk by faith? I'm not going to let my trump this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go ahead. I'm gonna no, Mike. I'm first. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was gonna say um, the, regarding Courtney, what you were saying, like Charles Spurgeon is like like a giant in a sense. Yeah, and he wrote this. There are persons here who seldom miss a service and even come to prayer meetings and yet not a bit better of it. Men of bad lives and yet they love the preacher, yes, and would stand up for him if any spoke against him and yet they neglect the preacher's warnings and what is worse, they are careless concerning God and the world to come. They live in fear. They will die without Christ and without hope. And, and that is like, I mean, Spurgeon's got a thousand long sermons. Yeah. He's basically saying, you better be doing something right or you're not going to make it. <laughs> and that is like horrifying that a guy would write a million words. And not get it. <laughs> exactly. He's a reformer. <laughs> Didi. Well, hey, I totally get what Russ is saying because there are a million other words from other very brilliant oh, yeah. people. Um, and there are stories and 
a lot of them for us have been looking at the mission field and seeing the way that people work uh, to carry out God's desire to share his message with them. Um, and it, it sometimes makes you feel small. It's like, wow, how did Hudson Taylor do that? That's <laughs> really, that's crazy. Um, you know, how did Corey Ten Boom do this? And, um, but you, you asked the, you asked a really interesting question about, you know, the, the idea around walking with Christ. And I think that for us, we have to realize that that is a, that's a very beautiful relationship. And you're going through different stages of learning to trust him. And yeah, to say non-meritorious <laughs> is maybe a little cliche, but the point is, is that your belief is a dependency on a person. And that, that sets you apart, which is the point of me. See, and what, before my, you know, I was going to get to what, what, what I have is it's the relationship. Yeah. That's the key. The more you know him, the more it's just manifest through you. It's not by your efforts. It's your very life is his life. As you know him, it becomes manifest. And, and it's, it's a process. I think it's a spiritual maturity as you grow in him. It's more manifest just because that's who you are. And, and I think it's less of you, it, as you, as you mature, it's less of a struggle or an effort. It's because you know him and, and you, you manifest him more. So I think that's where, you know, the walk and some of these things that we talk about come from is the relationship. So, I found a hundred hardships talking. Oh yeah, and part of it is kind of on this line: um, the believer, when he thinks more prayer will bring yeah sanctification, he finds that indispensable as prayer is, it's not enough. Yeah. Often the believer struggles hopelessly for years until he listens yeah. to the teaching of the Spirit. As he glorifies Christ again and reveals Christ our sanctification to be appropriated by faith alone. Mm -hmm. The guy that wrote that is Andrew Murray, and he was a Dutch reformer. (laughs) But he's not wrong. In that case. In that case, he's not wrong. No, that's it. I mean, you can go through all the spiritual efforts, pray and do and be a service, go to a mission, do whatever. But that's not that's not where you draw close. It's knowing him. And that's that's the whole key to this, I think, you know, is the favorite one, John seventeen, about a relationship with him. And I think as you know that, and you know, that's uh, again the other one's in um second Peter three eighteen where it's to grow in the grace and knowledge of him. I think those two keys, that was the key. Grace, so you understand grace, it's none of your efforts. It's by faith only. And what is it? Also the knowledge of him. Those are the keys to the sanctification, I think, and setting us apart. I think there's one more key. You have to settle down that it's going to take a while. Yeah. It isn't going to happen by some spiritual experience or some illumination that you're learning all the time, you know, and that it's okay that it's taken time. I've said this many times. Think of the world we're in right now. Microwave. <laughs> Gotta be in 30 seconds. I have my meal. I got, you know, look, look at any commercial or any kind of TV show. They switch the, the video every two seconds. 
keep it going. But got to be fast. Everything is, you know, expedited now. You know, everything is fast. We think that way. Spiritual maturity is a process over our entire lifetime mm-hmm. or our life in Christ. One of, the, one of the things that Mike said in that hungry heart quote, um, he mentioned the word listening. Yeah. That is probably one of the hardest parts about this whole journey is listening. And that doesn't happen in a moment. That happens over time. You're convicted. You're convinced. And that's what the Spirit's doing. But he is bringing you to a place where he is exalting the Son. Mm-hmm. And it, it only happens through listening. Yep. And I can't listen very well. <laughs> I don't have enough time. I'm busy, all, all these things going around. All it, these things. Yeah. Yeah. No, that... That's why some quiet time alone with the Lord and, you know, just spend time with him, you know, and all the time, just, you know, communicating with him, you know, praying to him, talking to him all, all the time. And I think that's where you just get the, yeah, that again, it all fits the peace that surpasses all understanding and bring your, you know, your prayers and supplications and what he'll guard your heart. <laughs> you know, all these things, if we, if we realize what he says and are believe it, we have the peace that surpasses all understanding that the world can't give to you. In this crazy world, you can have peace. And, it, you know, it's just by believing what he says so, and, and listening. <laughs> you know, the listening part, too, I think about that, even with that. What is that? You know, do I have an audible word from the Holy Spirit that says, hey, buddy? You know, it, I do. I listen to it every day, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna sit next to you and <laughs> I have tried to listen to the Bible read to me, but yeah. I found that it was listening came from a personal conversation yeah. that That's eventually I had to listen to because it was gonna drive me crazy if I didn't. Well, you know? See and my mine is and I've said this several times, he gives you that peace. That's what convinces me. Peace about scripture, peace about whatever. He gives me that peace, and only he can give me that peace. And I think that's by listening, by seeing his word, or just giving me that comfort in my heart, guarding my heart, that I know that. And and that's the listening part. He's it's, not beating it into your brain. He's encouraging you to a relationship that will glorify his son. He's not trying to take our arms and yeah. wrench it behind our backs and beat it over our head 1,000 times, whatever. He He's simply reminding. And sometimes it takes a lot of reminding. Well, well, or trials, you know, trials comes. And that, you know, why is that? It's not a, you know, I go back to the Romans 8.30 section. You know, we cannot, there's nothing, trial, persecution, everything, nothing can separate us from his love. So when the trial comes, it's in love. That's hard to understand if you if you don't understand. He's a sovereign God and He's allowing this because He loves you. Can I try to tie a couple of minds of thought there together? I, I've been thinking here as we're talking. Like I recently, I've been thinking a lot about the you know the the marriage relationship that that the, the bride you know the, the church is has with Christ. You know, it's a it's a it's a it's a marriage type relationship, and you know you think about those elderly couples who are just such a beautiful picture of this union that after years of marriage together, you know, you, they they just uh, have this this unity. Um, they're they're like in 
in character and in and in quality. And it's just you know, and I, I think that's what happens as we uh, over the course you know the long course spend time with Christ. We just grow and grow into this unity with Him, and and then you know as you're talking about trials that we go through and, and things, you know, it's if you if you've gone through a trial with your uh, with your spouse, you recognize how that, you know, and I think we need to recognize that when we're going through trials, over and over in the New Testament, it says we, you know, we suffer with Christ, or we, you know, it's the sufferings of Christ, and, and, you know, we are, as we go through those things together, it's all the more uh, bonding to Him, and, and we grow in this dependency on Him, and, and, um, and it's just, that's that's the that's I think is the 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 process of of becoming like him. It's is going it's going with him. If that makes sense. Well, yeah, just being conformed into the image. I think yeah. that's yeah. Is there something else for you? Um, yeah, I think that uh, the Lord will bring trials in your life to get you to abandon what you think is the answer to go to him and but then after a while you really don't need the trial so much Mm -hmm. because this relationship has developed to the point where well you always go to talk to him about everything and and not only that you expect him to you know he you are indwelt by the spirit and he is glorifying christ and so you expect him to do his job yeah well, you know, and that, to me, again, my what's been beaten into me in a thousand times, sovereignty and the love. Uh-huh. Sovereignty means he's in control of everything. Yeah. That gives me peace in any situation. Yeah. Because I know he he's he allowed it. Sure. And he allowed it in the blessings, he allowed it in the trials, and the second part, because he loves me. I think with those two, it gives me that peace. Again, I just, I go through that process, and that's what gives me the peace. Is knowing he's it's in control. Think too, right there, that even though he is the, the all-powerful God, that he never hammers us. You know, he always woos us. He always draws us. He uses that methodology rather than saying, "Well, I'm Almighty Wham." Yeah. You know. Well, the other which I struggle with, I've struggled with. I think I'm getting over it. Is the fact that when I'm being blessed, I just think, "What's around the corner?" <laughs> you know, and I, I go back to a saying, this goes back way, 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 when I used in a consulting firm and a, my boss was a guy who just yelled at everybody. He made you, you know, work hard because you hated him, you know, kind of thing. And, and I'm, I'm in his office, president, and he's, he's praising me just for what I did, praising him. That one of the vice president was sitting in the doorway when he was, when he was praising me. And as I'm walking out, he goes, well, you're at the top of the mountain. There's only one place to go from there. <laughs> and I thought, you know, that was uh, that was really humbling at that point. That uh, you know, and sometimes I think that you know, the Lord, I'm being blessed and all this. I'm like, what's around the corner? And that's such a wrong thing. Yeah, it is. You know, and that He's ready to pound me, and it's so wrong. And it's like whatever He comes, He's allowing it to conform me. You know, and I just, and I've gotten more to understand that, that, yeah. that, you know, whatever happens, he loves me and he's, it's good. It's sure. all good. Yeah. So anyway, um, all right, <laughs> we move on. 
uh, we've done the sanctification, and the next one is in all in all church truth, the Spirit gives the headship to Christ. In baptism, He puts us into the body of which Christ is head. The unity of the Spirit is to make practical the unity of the body. The gifts of the Spirit are from from Christ in glory, administered down here. Worship worship is exclusively to the Father and to the Son. So that was the spirit of headship. Then I might repeat the same in what occupied us next. The spirit of for power. Paul Paul calls it the power of Christ, and it connect and it connects it as we saw with the risen and ascended Lord. Um, that's that one where I always think of the power of the Holy Spirit. We have the same indwelling, the Jeremy Camp song, you know, same power. It, we have that same power in us, indwelling us. That's an incredible thought when you think about it. Um, when we read about all of what the Spirit's done over history. So, um, Paul calls it, uh, well, okay, next one. And we have just noted the connection between the scriptures and him who is called the word. That's what we, the last section we just went over. Uh, so how we how the word is is uh tied to Christ in in the Old Testament to the New Testament how uh, uh those are are pulled together or what the Holy Spirit does is is bind those the word to Christ. So in in summary it says so it's no exaggeration to say that the one work of the spirit in every every connection is to present Christ before us to magnify him in our eyes, and in order that our lives may be conformed to him and the praise of heaven be anticipated. I thought that was a great summary. You know, so, yeah, to magnify him in our eyes in order that our lives may be conformed to him and the praise of heaven be anticipated. I thought that was a great summary. So, uh, we only have a couple minutes. Um, I guess I can at least ask the question. So, question three. Before Christ's incarnation, did he speak to man through the Spirit? So, I said, first let's ask the question as stated. Before Christ's incarnation, did he speak to man through the Spirit? Yes or no? Yes. Do we have any no's? (laughs) Okay. If yes, what scripture do you base that on? Does anybody have have one of those? Right up does give one. 1 Peter 3.18. Jeter. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> 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 yes, I'll, I'll read that one, and then we'll we'll get to uh, the the important questions based on this. Because right up points out that this is uh, a very misunderstood section of scripture, and and so we'll we'll dive into it. I'll read it, and then we'll close. First Peter three eighteen through twenty. For Christ also died for sins once for all. For the just for the unjust, so that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which also he went and made proclamation to the spirits now in prison, who were once disobedient when the patience of God kept waiting in the days of Noah, during the construction of the ark, in, in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through the water. So we're going to discuss the <laughs> who are the spirits now in prison. So that's a real key thing, and right at, and rightfully so, to try and uh, understand that, because it's misunderstood, and it really is taking a tangent on a lot of people. Um, so we'll, we'll delve into that next week. So you might, might want to look into that and see what Rideout has and what others have on comments on that. So let's close.
Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you again just for uh, all that we know and just uh, the summary going through that of all uh, that the Holy Spirit is involved with in each and every one of us and how uh, you have used the Holy Spirit throughout time from before uh, the incarnation of your Son to uh, the present age and even into the future and the millennium and through eternity as we see we'll have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit throughout eternity. And that's uh, that's an amazing thought. And we just... Uh, we give you praise that, uh, again, with the Holy Spirit and your word, we have the peace that surpasses all understanding in all trials and in blessings. We give you thanks for that fact. And uh, we just pray for the next meeting. Uh, I believe Mike given the message. We just pray uh, for him, bring forth accurately the word, prepare hearts to receive it. And, again, may we throughout this day honor and glorify you by all that we say and do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.